Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And in showbiz, they actually have a term called the disaster show. When every hundred or so episodes, everything that can go wrong does. Friends, welcome to the Out of the Ordinary disaster show. Oh, Lisa Joe, my face hurts from laughing and I'm all sweaty and uncomfortable. What a disaster. What a joy. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Hello, dear podcast listeners. So here's something you may or may not know about podcasts. It's something that Lisa Joe and I have learned over these years, uh, these four years, now going on five years that we've been podcasting, and that is that every podcast should have a brand, a consistent sort of marketing message so that listeners know, you know, what we're all about, why they should come and listen to the Out of the Ordinary podcast. And Lisa Joe and I decided quite a while ago, and it has held up, we, I think we've been very consistent in this, that our brand is that we help you, dear listener, not aim high, but aim average. Is that <laughs> right, Lisa Joe? It's true because it's not just the brand for our podcast, it's the brand for our lives. <laughs> you and I have lived by this for a long, long time. Like good enough is good enough for us. Good enough average is, good is enough what we're right. shooting for. Aim average. Like average is great. <laughs> there are no perfectionists here. No. However, however, today I believe that we are taking this motto, this brand, this way of life to a new level. And we are going to help you, dear listener, not only aim, not high, not even average, but low. I know. We're, yes, we're, yes, today. We're not, we trying to, we're not trying to level up. We're trying to level no, down. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, no leveling up. We are sinking even further and we are going to help you aim low. Now, how are we going to do this if our tagline on the podcast, you've seen it, you know, when you go to your app and you subscribe, it says, we are the podcast that helps you grow a daily life that matters. That doesn't sound like aiming low, or maybe it does. I think we'll get, we'll dig a little bit deeper into it. Um, but that, that tagline, grow a daily life that matters to me, I don't know about you, Lisa, but that to me suggests like, Approaching every day with real like intention and care and control. Is that, is this true? Is this what we mean? No, I think that is certainly not what we mean. I think it means though, in the midst of all of the things out of your control, how do you find the reminders that what you're doing in your humdrum on repeat matters? Like, how do you find meaning in the middle of the mundane? Mm, yeah, okay. That's that's very well said. I, I agree with that. And so the language we're using for that today, and this is why I think we're aiming even lower, <laughs> is that we're beginning a new series for our listeners. Um, you know, the next couple episodes are going to be um, storytelling and conversations to help you, dear listener, learn how to simply muddle through. Yep, just muddling <laughs> through cuz sometimes just muddling through. Sometimes you can embrace all of the glory in the middle of the mundane and see meaning in it. Sometimes you cannot find meaning no matter how hard you dig. So what do you do on those days, friends? You muddle through. 
And we have got a few different kinds of categories of muddling through that we can bring you firsthand reporting from the field, having muddled through ourselves (laughs) recently in some of these areas. We hope we'll bring a few laughs and maybe, maybe, Christy, through these conversations, we will still, we'll still find some, some meaning here at the lower echelons of uh, ordinary life. But Man, everybody has those seasons where you're just suddenly there's something out of left field that you weren't expecting. You don't have a plan for. You don't see meaning in it yet. You are just trying to, as our friend Emily, who helps us with the podcast, says, you're just trying to meddle through. Yeah. So today, friends, we are going to talk about muddling through the unexpected. Uh, there might be just quite a small interruption. It might be a bigger crisis, um, but we like the word unexpected. It's just those things that you did not see coming. They weren't on your calendar. And yeah, you and I, Lisa Joe, we had a few of those this summer quite recently. Yeah, sometimes those are things that just kind of like come out of nowhere and bite you on the butt. Or in the case of the Purifoy family, they bite you in other places, but bite you indeed. <laughs> I speak not metaphorically, dear friends. I speak literally. <laughs> That's right. So my unexpected in recent weeks is that, um, gosh, where to even die? I like, oh, there are so many sort of key moments I could just jump in. I think I'll jump into this one in order to launch this story. And so um, uh, I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast yet. I think we may tell more of this story in a later episode. But um, my oldest, my firstborn, um, left home. She is now at college. I do not see her every day. It is very weird. Uh, Lots of feelings around that, but this just happened. So my oldest, my firstborn, she's the first to leave the nest. She is off at college. So we recently had that transition. And I think if I had imagined how it would go, I imagined that there would be like a last family photo, um, a chance for her to say goodbye to her siblings and for me to get a picture of them. Um, I don't think it was in my plan that they would come help us move her in, although that was a, a possibility. I'd considered that maybe some of them would even want to go with us to to drive with her things to her dorm. Um, but what it looked like instead is that um, mere hours before the morning time would come <laughs> when we drive her to college, I was sitting with all four children in the ER of the local children's hospital. And so the last, I did get a photo. I did. (laughs) (laughs) The photo I got (laughs) shows all four of my children. And my children now are all so big. You know, Elsa's the only one who's still somewhat small. So my big teenage man children and Lily, who's fully grown, all crammed into one teeny tiny children's hospital exam room where everything is sized really not for adults or teenagers, (laughs) but for tiny children, all crammed in, perched on little stools in the edge of the bed, wearing their masks as you, you know, you have to wear in hospital settings, waiting there at like 11 p.m. the night before Lily leaves, waiting for our rabies shots. (laughs) So great. A rabies shot. I'm like, I don't even know anyone in real life who's had one of those. I feel like they (laughs) use them in cartoon sketches to make funny points. Oh, my goodness. It's, you know, it's actually, you know, if anyone here doubts the time can heal, the fact that I'm (laughs) laughing about this now, because I remember, um, I mean, and it's only been a few, it's it's just been a few weeks, really. But I remember you, somebody's, said, oh, maybe you'll talk about this on the podcast. And I remember thinking, no, no, <laughs> I will not, because I will be expected I will be expected to tell it for laughs. And I am not laughing. Is this not is not funny. funny. 
Okay, so time has helped. I can laugh. Ish. I, I can laugh now. I can laugh ish, and and actually, I can because because dear listeners, I'm I muddled through. <laughs> I did. We all muddled through, and there is some kind of I think magic in muddling through um, that leads that that does bring you to a place where you can laugh, where you where you feel okay about what happened. And I couldn't have imagined that in the moment, but I think in the process of muddling through, I, I did get to that place. So but pause for a okay. second because if you're listening, yeah. you're having the experience <laughs> that I had when Christy first shared about this, about being at the ER because they needed a rabies shot and how it was so time consuming. And your first thought is like, okay, I mean that's a bummer you had to go one night, but it's like mm. great, it's done. Oh, friends, you are about to learn some things about rabies that none of us knew before this, which is why much muddling through on many occasions was required. Many, many, many occasions (laughs) over several weeks. So this night in the ER was um, the first of what would need to be four, four um, appointments, essentially, for my children. In the children's hospital setting, so they would each each need four shots. Um, but I also and my husband needed rabies shots, so we also needed four visits each in a regular hospital setting. My daughter, of course, my oldest is headed to college, so while she started her treatment with us, she needed three more oh visits to her local hospital. Uh, I mean, now we're at like dozens of visits. And in my county, it's not the same way everywhere. But in my county, rabies treatments can only be given in an emergency room setting. And they do that in order to track what's happening with rabies in the county. So I sort of understand. And I also don't because it (laughs) meant for four weeks in a row, I had to drive myself to my low, you know, half an hour to the nearest ER and sit in a busy urban ER waiting room <laughs> so that I could get the next shot in my rabies series. Um, yeah, my husband had to do it. I had to do it with the kids. So there were like for two weeks, we were sort of ev- either every day in an ER or every other day in an ER. I would have like one day off or be like, yay, I don't have to go to an ER today. <laughs> and it's much more expensive when you have to do it at an ER. Yes, much more expensive. So add into that a great deal of worry and confusion about how much it would cost. Um, I paid one copay for one of these visits, and I won't tell you what it was, but it was a lot. And I would have felt okay about it if it was a one-time ER visit, you know, someone had broken a bone or something like that. But to know that we would each have four of these um, was was disturbing, to say the least. And I actually still don't know how that part is going to get resolved. We're still waiting for bills. I foresee conversations with insurance. I mean, it'll it'll work out because you know what, Lisa Joe, I'm going to muddle through. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, just going to muddle but Christine, through. Everyone is dying to know now what bit I know. you. Why? <laughs> yeah, Tell why? us the superhero why? origin story so that when the pure <laughs> voice all mutate and turn into something else, you will uh, have heard of the origin story here first on the podcast. Oh, that's right. You know, it's a story. Uh, it is not worthy of superhero status. It is like classic Purifoy muddling through, but also like it's shot through with the mercy of God. <laughs> it really is. So we were on vacation. Um, our family loves to get away for one week at the end of summer, um, usually just some rental lake cabin somewhere in the mountains where we can cool off a little bit. So we try to do this most summers if we're able, and this was our last chance to do it before 
firstborn went off to college. So we rented a little cabin in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes and we're enjoying it. And halfway through our time, my husband uh, woke up one morning and uh, went downstairs and most of us were in bedrooms that kind of opened to this one sort of great room. Um, But my youngest was sleeping in a loft that was open to this great room. So that's important for the story. So he went downstairs and he found a bat, a dead bat on the floor in the great room. So he carefully and safely disposed of the bat. He let me know when I got up. We were both shocked and very concerned. We immediately started Googling things about bats and rabies. And um, please do not send in your angry comments because, yes, I have already gone through the scenarios a million times about maybe what we should have done versus what we actually did. <laughs> <laughs> Muddling through, um, baby. Yeah, muddling through. We uh, determined that based on where everyone was sleeping, the fact that it was dead, that we'd never seen it or heard it, we didn't think we'd come into contact with it. We were sure we hadn't come into contact with it. Add to that the fact that we Googled and we found that really most, the vast majority of bats, even dead ones you find on your kitchen floor, do not actually have rabies. We felt okay with continuing our vacation. Listen, yeah, if I could go back I I would do it differently. But, you know, we were somewhat protected in our ignorance. So we continued our vacation. Our vacation, which would end on Friday in order to take our daughter to college on Saturday. Christy, I'll just interrupt here before you critique (laughs) yourself. It would never have occurred to me to Google anything Uh, about that bag. Okay. I would have put it in a trash trash bag and taken it outside and literally never thought of it again. Like I, nothing would have crossed my mind. I had no idea bats carry rabies. I didn't, I would never have occurred to me they're dangerous. I would have thought, oh good, it was just dead. Nobody touched it because I know you don't want to touch dead animals, but not because I'm scared of catching a disease because it's just like gross. (laughs) So I would have put that thing in a trash bag and literally carried on with my life. So I was like, when you told the story, my eyes just got bigger and bigger listening to it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So this is also going to be a bit of a PSA about rabies. Because I've learned a lot. <laughs> I feel like we're on the office. Wasn't there that office episode oh, where was. race for rabies for the race cure for or whatever for Meredith? Yeah. Uh, and the big joke was that there there is a cure, and it's what we did essentially. There you go. I mean, there's not actually. Let me just pause here. There isn't a cure if you start to show symptoms, and that's what makes rabies really? so terrifying. Okay. Yes. So if you somehow don't know that you have had contact with the saliva of a rabid bat. And I don't want to scare anyone. What? But, but it can be, Lisa Joe, it can be anywhere from two weeks to two years later that symptoms could develop. Two weeks to two years. But then um, I'm seeing a, a, a notice here. My internet is unstable. I know. <laughs> so if I get cut off, friends. I know. Yeah, so then, um, so if symptoms develop, a fever, you know, whatever, rabies symptoms, there is nothing doctors can do for you what? at that point and you will die. Is it saliva just touching your skin or does it have to like break um, your skin? Yeah, maybe. I'm not totally sure. You know, that's yeah, crazy. I'm not totally sure. So that's why yeah. like old yeller, they just shoot the dog. They don't try and yes. help it. Exactly. There is no treatment. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, the good news is if you if you suspect or know that you've come into contact, you can receive treatment immediately after because symptoms haven't started in you. So in that sense, you can be treated, but it's sort of a proactive treatment. 
So rabies is really serious and really scary. So that's that's what Friday. So Friday morning of our vacation, Elsa comes to me and she shows me something on her leg. Now keep in mind, Elsa was the only one sleeping anywhere sort of open to that great room. So in our mind, she was the only one that in some remote scenario could have been anywhere near a bat. And she comes to me and she shows me something and it looks strange. And I Google it. Actually, I Googled it on my phone. I was sitting out on the dock. On No, not on the dock, like on the swimming platform yeah. out in the middle of the lake with her. <laughs> but I had my phone out there to take pictures. So picture me in my swimsuit on the, well, maybe don't picture that, but like picture me out <laughs> swimming in the lake. But I have my phone nearby and I'm like Googling. I Google bat bite images. No. And what comes up? Batman? It looked exactly like Batman. <laughs> No, not like Batman. Because <laughs> he got bit. Isn't that how he got his powers? He didn't die from rabies. He became a superhero. Okay, so maybe it looked like Batman. Yeah, but it, but here, here, you know, what do we what what is our other what do we like to say? Like good things begin small. Well, also bat bites and rabies start small because it just looked like the tiniest little double punctures in a bruise, and so it. If I, if we ha- if he hadn't found the bat and if we hadn't already sort of had it in mind, I don't. I just would have thought that's a strange, that's strange, honey. I don't know what that is, but because I already had in mind that there was this potential for for a bat, and then I googled it, I was like, yeah, that looks exactly wow. like. And a she bat actually thought bite. to bring it to your attention. Like, was it bothering she her? Did. did it itch? Was it sore? No. Nope, she had a bruise, so you know it was a little sore, but it wasn't. No, I think she just saw it because we were out swimming and didn't know what it was. And again, it was other than the bruise, it wasn't hugely obvious, but it was an odd little thing. Like I've never weird. Yeah, I've never seen anything. It was tiny, but it was odd. And um, of course, I didn't say anything to her. I just started googling, and then we got back in, and I went to John, and oh my gosh. Oh. Um, And so, yeah, because, and here's the thing, like, we just don't know, right? So I just keep telling myself and telling her ever since, and her siblings who want to make fun of her for being bit by a bat, which is like (laughs) big brothers do, just really terrible. I just keep, have told everyone throughout, look, we, we honestly don't, don't know. Maybe she scratched it in a weird way and it just happened to look exactly like the little punctures of tiny bat teeth. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't even know bats bite people. Do bats bite? Like, is that a thing? Like, why would they bite a a person? Do bats don't drink blood, do they? They're no, I'm, no, I'm having all they felt confused between Marvel movies and reality. Right, right. Yeah, I think, again, Google, it, it's really only if they feel threatened or trapped, they might lash out. So, again, that's another reason why I think, well, maybe it never happened. But ultimately, what it came to is that it could have. Right, she was in a space right. where a bat was flying around at night. That, that After that, she has this mark. So, it's it's completely possible that she actually while she slept and it didn't wake her that this bat found its way to her you know it's possible so we called um animal control and (laughs) i I saw john's face when he got the news they just said the bat it's already dead it's two days later it can't be tested because that's the other thing you can test like if you can test an animal for rabies then you might avoid treatment because if you know it doesn't have rabies then but we couldn't test it, so they said we can't test it. So our recommendation is that everyone in the house goes through the full rabies treatment. <laughs> John's face. And so this is like when we talk about muddling through an interruption. <laughs> that was his face in that moment, recognizing, 
Oh my gosh. And day, this is not day what the plan. Of vacation was this? Like how long did you still have on vacation so you're that, supposed to? That is the mercy. That is the mercy. If we had thought it all through on Wednesday and been concerned and maybe done what I should have done, which is inspected my daughter from head to toe. Don't know why I didn't do that. But if we had done that on Wednesday, we would have had to we would have had to end our vacation that day, head home for treatment. It, that would have been a very sad, hard thing. But in our ignorance, <laughs> I do feel like God protected us. And we were planning to leave that afternoon anyway in order to get Lily to college on time. And so it really didn't speed things up at all. It just meant that for the whole drive home, <laughs> um, I was thinking, I, I knew we were he- going to head straight to the, almost straight to the children's hospital in the ER. And I was having to do battle with the thoughts of like, maybe it's too late and Elsa has rabies. Yo, so that was fun scary. for four hours at high oh, speeds on wow. New York highways. <laughs> Yikes. And why did they feel like all of you, like, why did everybody else have to get treated? It's just, yeah. I mean, we could have declined. We could have said like, hey, our bedroom doors, some of them were shut. We don't think the bat came in. But at that point, there are just no guarantees. And because rabies can't be treated once it starts, um, it's just so risky. And so they, it just, you just don't want to take that risk. And so I told John, I said, I don't want to be looking at my other kids for two years, wondering if rabies symptoms are going to pop up. And so this is just a way just to make sure it's you're fine. Wow. And so we just decided to play it safe, do what they recommended. And um and I actually thought I thought maybe I wouldn't do it, just the kids would, but when I was in the ER, um the doctor there was um very insistent that I head to the hospital the next day to get my treatment. Like he wouldn't let me leave before I I looked him in the eye and promised that I really? too would get. <laughs> yeah, he was he was very persuasive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know, okay, so what is I, I know by now our listeners are like that's rabies. What? You know, what are you even talking about muddling through? But I mean, while there are many aspects to this story, I mean, there was like the the kind of fear and worry I had to process on the way home. And there was that after it began and after we'd committed to the treatment and we were home and we were doing it, it was just like, how do you, how do you deal with just daily, weekly difficulty of a, of a really frustrating, complicated interruption. Like it was just so not in the plan to be spending every day, one of us um, at the ER. I just, yeah, it wasn't in the plan. And um, and then for the next uh, two weeks, or really a little bit longer than that, we had to figure out really how to muddle through. And looking back, I, re- I feel like in those moments, you kind of have a choice. Like, are you going to try to like, I don't know, like, grab control back? Are you just going to sort of fight what's happening? Are you just going to like always play games in your head? Like what if, you know, it shouldn't be this way? Like, are you just going to insist like a little toddler? No, it's not fair. You know, it shouldn't be this way. Or are you just going to say, okay, this is happening. Here I am. This is what the next few weeks look like. Um, So, yeah, I'm not even saying, like, make the best of it, friends. I went to the ER equipped with coloring books for my youngest child and (laughs) snacks. No, no. I I mean, I did have snacks. But, (laughs) you know, uh, it wasn't even, I would say, muddling through for me when life sends interruptions isn't even, I I don't know. Some personalities might like to say, hey, I'm making the best of it. I'm making lemonade out of lemons. I'm not, that's actually fantastic. I love that. That isn't my personality. So I didn't help me to think about making the best of time in the AR. For me, it just meant with just accepting. 
Oh, my goodness. Okay. In the spirit of muddling through, you guys, you should know that Christy's Wi-Fi has dropped maybe three or four times since we began trying to record this conversation. So we keep having to pause and restart and pause and restart. (laughs) Feels very on brand for this conversation. That said, let's try one more restart. Here we go, Christy. Oh, listeners, we are muddling through this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Our life is imitating, mimicking and imitating art here big time. (laughs) Christy's face is literally frozen on the Zoom screen across from me right now. I I need to take a screenshot. Maybe that'll be our picture that we use in the podcast episode because this is what she looks like right now. Christy, come back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, muddling through. I'm back again after one more <laughs> Wi-Fi drop. Ay, ay, ay. Where, where was I? What was I talking about, I know, Lisa Jo? Uh, oh, know yeah, exactly. muddling through. Uh, like a, or a toddler who wants to have a temper tantrum <laughs> yeah. when things go bad. And if our Wi-Fi yeah. drops again, we may be tempted to do that. <laughs> No, I feel a I feel a toddler timber tantrum coming on. And that is so understandable, right? Like right. there were moments where I just wanted to say, no, no, this is not happening. Right. <laughs> right. And I think that is how life is. Like even if we are aiming average, there are days where aiming low feels like all you've got in you. And in the midst of it, you just want to have a full out adult temper tantrum. And I had one of those. Actually, um, I can tell you when it was on Saturday night last week. Uh, It was very late. I had not communicated well. Nope. No, that's not correct. I had communicated well. One of my teenagers had not communicated well with his plans. And it involved inconveniencing me significantly. And uh, on the way there, I was super frustrated and venty about something else. And the teenager thing then became like, the spark, you know, like the toddler is already tired and whiny and hungry, and then you give them the wrong colored plate for snack, and right, then they can't right. handle it. Like, <laughs> I was like that. And I vented and ranted to a friend, and I remember her the next day talking to me with such grace and compassion, but pointing out that research shows <laughs> when you allow yourself to just have the toddler level meltdown, it does not actually make you feel better shocking to everybody. Yeah, that actually just exacerbates in your mind and soul all of that anger and frustration. It all kind of like like throwing a huge rock into like a really gross, muddy pool. All of that then splatters up on you and you don't actually feel better and you aren't working your way toward peace. All you're maybe doing is working your way toward a nap, like like a toddler, yeah, right? It yeah. doesn't make them yeah. feel better. They explode until they burn out and then they fall asleep. It's the same for us in our adult brains. So that kind of Temper tantrum is not actually, as much as you might want to do it, it doesn't actually leave you feeling better on the other side. So what does it do in your bat fever-induced rabies avoidance protocol? Yeah, that's really helpful because... I can, there can be moments where I say, like, why can't I have the temper tantrum? Like, why do I have to be the adult? Um, but to recognize that, like, even if I were to indulge and do that, even if I had permission, Christy, have a temper tantrum. To know that it wouldn't help is somehow really helpful to know that. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't throw a temper tantrum. I just, I just worked to ex- to accept, to be, to say this is happening and, um, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I'll be honest, it did help that I knew 
we're doing the right thing and we don't have a choice. And the alternative is potential rabies. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> right. it made it a very stark choice. Right. Sometimes life is a little murkier and we have to discern a little more. But I didn't have to in this case. It just, it was what it was. And there I was many days in a row in the ER. I think one thing that helped is I, every time I took a, I just needed to do it. I'm sure it was annoying my family and friends. But every time I was sitting in the ER again, I snapped some sort of photo or selfie and I just sent it to a few people. I just yeah. needed them to know. Yes. I'm here. I'm here again in the ER. Right. Guess Sit what? with me. I've, Be in this. Yeah, feel I, my pain. <laughs> I've been here four hours. Just need you to know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Speaking of muddling through four hours waiting. I'm not joking. You lost night on the way home from a very late night soccer game. We went to Taco Bell. Ugh. Not my first choice. It's what the kids wanted. <laughs> I did not get anything. But we were like, fast. Let's just get something fast and get home. They still had homework. And I timed it. We were in a Taco Bell where we were the only people inside. Everybody else was going through the drive route. Just cars spinning through that drive through 37 minutes. We waited. <gasps> oh. 37 <sighs> minutes. And I would have left many times, except I kept inquiring, what's going on? Like, is my order there? Oh, yeah, no, it's next up just never came. We just kept waiting. And finally, when I inquired again with my kid who's been playing soccer, we've got all this homework to go home to, we're exhausted. And he's like, yeah, I made your order. I remember making it. And I'm like, I I have no bag. We're the only people standing. He's like, oh, and he got this look and he looked out at the drive through window and he had given our order to somebody who came through the drive through and got a bonus order. And I was like, I am going to lose my mind. What is happening? <laughs> That's a great oh my example. Gosh, no, muddling through the dog is barking at a delivery man. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Listeners, that is just what today is. Guys, barking dogs. This is the most drop, ridiculous episode. Drop Wi-Fi. <laughs> you would think that we planned it. You would think that we planned it. We did not. We did not, listeners. We did not plan the muddling through of what really is one of our inaugural episodes of this next season. And yet here we are. Barely. Here we are. Barely oh my goodness. Oh, Lisa Joe, we're muddling through. And and the Taco Bell is a great example because the things that you have to muddle through are so unimportant sometimes. I mean, yes. rabies like elevated it, right? Sure. But when we're talking about dinner and tacos, to me, those are almost harder to handle because they seem so pointless. It's like, ridiculous. And at the same time, speaking yeah. about solidarity, how you said you snapped a picture. <laughs> so this is one of those ways to cope. I... Okay. Having a temper tantrum by yourself and just dumping junk everywhere the way a toddler, not helpful. Taking a picture and sending it to a friend so you can actually laugh together or just say this is insane, yeah. helpful. Yeah. When I texted Peter, he replied, Lisa Joe, Micah, and I are at Wingstop on the way home from a late night football practice. And we have been here for an hour waiting for <gasps> our fast food order because there was a huge mistake <laughs> with a bunch of people they were trying to serve. And immediately I just started laughing. And Zoe yeah. said to me something my mom always used to say. So here's another way to muddle through the aiming low moments. My mom, and I've talked about this on the podcast when she had a really bad experience, would always tell me, this will make a really great story one day. Mm. And Zoe walked over to me in Taco Bell and said, Mom, it's going to make a great story tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, that's she fantastic. Right. And if we if we let it, it will. And, you know, even, even that night, that first night in the ER, 
with the kids, even though I still had sort of two weeks of aiming low and muddling through and taking my photos to send to friends, um, even in that moment, knowing that, you know, in a few hours, I'd have to get up, get my daughter to college, say goodbye, you know, have that intense time. Um, I Even then, I knew God was giving us some kind of crazy family, last yeah. family <laughs> bonding moment. Yeah. Because it was intense and we were in it together and every, you know, the kids were, they were as upset as me, but they weren't complaining because they knew like, this is just happening to us. Like we, we right. have no control and our mom cannot change it. And here we are right. and we don't know what's going to happen next. And we just went, we just went with it and no, it wasn't good and it wasn't all fun, but wow, was it bonding and it brought us together. And so I don't know if if we're able to muddle through enough to sort of keep our hearts, I think, soft and our eyes just even slightly open. There are those little grace moments that are possible, like Zoe or like, you know, just, you know, the mercy of, you know, not our trip not ending early and just all those little things that that we can, we can see and we can receive. Right. Just right. like that snapshot I got, which I will treasure, Lisa Joe. I will treasure <laughs> that that final night photo of my children. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we'll have to use that in the show notes as well this week between the frozen photo of you (laughs) on my screen and you guys in the ER. I did not snap a Taco Bell picture, but I will not soon forget (laughs) how long we waited for our one order for Jackson. Zoe and I didn't even get anything. It was just for Jackson. (laughs) You didn't even get a taco. I wasn't. We weren't hungry. It was just for him. Oh, so listeners, you know, we have muddled through for you and we have laughed. I hope you've laughed with us and we're going to continue to, to, to talk about this. Um, This is a little mini series for us. So look for another conversation next week about aiming low, muddling through. And this one uh, is going to be specific about muddling through goodbyes and transitions, um, which come sometimes ready or not. So how to muddle through. Um, I have some recent experience and more stories to tell. (laughs) 